0: Please note, this episode discusses child rape. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised.
1: I was going to murder him. I was going to kill him, like the scriptures say, like Nephi killed him, just to stop the pain and to stop him coming after me and to stop him coming after my children. And I was just, I just felt I couldn't take it anymore. And I would go through the scriptures and find all the things like, if he comes against you once, if he comes against you twice, if he comes against you three times, then you can kill him. It says it in the scriptures. And more of it. I'm like, there it is. There's my answer. I don't want to do anything that's wrong. I did not have a murderous heart.
0: Hello, TCO listeners. I am back here with April Raymond. We are discussing the testimony that has been leaked um, by Lori back from October 2018. This initially came from Annie Cushing um, and she shared that with East Idaho News uh, last month.
2: This is an episode
0: we've been trying to do <laughs> for uh, the past month as well, um, but we kept getting interrupted by my health and Today is no different. (laughs) I don't feel well. So we are kind of laughing that something up above does not want us to talk about this, but we are here to finally have this conversation. So this audio will be played in full at the end of um, our conversation. So if you don't immediately know what we're referencing, you will hear that after our conversation. So April, welcome back to The Chosen Ones.
3: Thanks for having me, Celine.
0: Yeah. Thank you. So let's just jump into it. Um, now, this t- the audio is about 46 minutes long. Now, Lori's testimony ranges between, I want to say it's like 15 to 20 minutes before she starts having this conversation with the other members in the room. And some of the members in there, we hear their names. Um, she does talk about, you know, Melanie Gibb and Thor, but the hard hitting conversation is around Joseph Ryan. And this audio has been sent to the Arizona police department due to what was just played at the beginning of this episode, her making claims that she wanted to kill Joseph. Um, but I kind of want to stop, start from the top of her testimony where Lori states that she is a personal advocate for Jesus Christ and a witness to his resurrection. How did you feel when you first heard that?
3: Well, I had already been told by Lori about her second comforter experience uh, in in July before this recording was made and before I heard it in March of 2019. Um, So I knew what she was talking about because she had told me that she'd have the second comforter experience where she had seen Jesus Christ face to face. And um, that's kind of where she became this more exalted being. So I wasn't surprised to hear that. Um, I am curious as to the reaction of the members of the group that were listening to that and what that meant to them. I wasn't sure how many members of that group were aware of her second comforter experience that she
0: had had claimed that she had. Right. And I know you mentioned that in one of our prior episodes, that second comforter was also in reference to the book, The Second Comforter by... By Denver Smith. Right. Exactly. So so that was already in motion then, that she was already referencing this in this conversation, um, which we can only assume is one of these meetings that we've, you know, have heard about with Chad and all of these individuals that we now know by first name. Um, so that's interesting. And, and I know you mentioned before that she did come to you with that book to have you read. Is that correct? She did. did. Gotcha. So Lori then goes on to talk about how she doesn't need sleep much. And uh, this was because angels wake her up at 4 a.m. and keep her busy with God's missions, including the angel Moroni. And Moroni is a name we keep hearing over and over again. Um, She made mention that Moroni was the one who also approved of her marrying Chad. Sounds like somewhere along the line, she was either married to Moroni or... Related to Moroni, but the big question is, who is Moroni? <laughs> so the angel Moroni is the he's a he's
3: a prophet in the Book of Mormon, but he was also the angel that um, showed Joseph Smith where the golden plates were buried. So he was kind of the initiator to set the found early foundation of the Mormon Church in motion. Mm-hmm. So he's a very significant figure in Mormonism and um, when you look at a Mormon temple, there's an angel, you know, a a
0: golden angel on top of the temple. That's the angel Moroni. Ah, yes. And that is very prominent, especially down here with the temple in Salt Lake. And I believe he lost his trumpet during the earthquake. (laughs) He did. He
3: did. A lot of people were nervous when that happened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. Now, Lori then teases that she has a story that led her to the temple. And that story is, of course, about Joseph Ryan. She has zero hesitation within that first 20 seconds to say that he raped her children. And that's obviously a very upsetting accusation. Now, did Lori ever confide in you about that?
3: Yes. So when you listen to the audio, um the anecdote that she, you know, the anecdotal evidence that she kind of uh, performs in my opinion, for, for mm-hmm. everyone that's listening uh, was a dialogue that she was kind of a go-to dialogue for her. She would share that with pretty much anybody that would listen. Wow. I don't know if it was a, a way to um, build a relationship of trust or to kind of um, as kind of a manipulation tactic, or I'm not sure. But one difference that I noticed in that recording is she uses, um, she uses, like emotionally charged words like rape and murder. Um, that was a little bit more aggressive than than the usual way that she's told the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely, you could tell by the people listening that they were spellbound by what she had to say. And that's exactly where she wanted them to be, in my opinion, so that she could um, promote her agenda, which was um, her superior suffering, her, her superior abilities, um, just her, her um, grandiose, exaggerated experiences. Um, it was all about Lori. It was the Lori show.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And you can tell it's very narcissistic language as well, playing into the victim role of this. This is what happened to me, 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 me. And would briefly touch on Colby or Tylee, but and then she mentions JJ at one point, but is very dismissive of him, and right. and doesn't even use his name, and you know just talks about oh yeah, he just jumps all over our heads while we're sleeping that's all she had to say about JJ. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just, again, you're right. Like she manipulates that narrative to just be about her and people need to feel compassion and empathy for her. And it's
3: disgusting. Like her her suffering and victimization from this, you know, alleged experience sounds like it's greater than the actual victim.
0: Right. Um, which is really interesting. Right. Now, um, she talks about how Joseph manipulated the courts into thinking she was a bad mother and a bad, crazy Mormon. Um, and she used, uses that verbiage. Um, and looking back on our research, many court officials did question her motives, including Tylee's claims about Joseph raping her. Now, With that, did she ever talk about that contention with the courts, um, again, in terms of their custody battle? Constantly,
3: and she would talk
0: about it in front of Tylee, like Tylee knew everything,
3: um, you know, there was no discretion or um, shielding Tylee from these kinds of conversations. Um, Again, it was when she would tell the story of court, she was the heroine and Joe was the villain. Um, and, you know, she was doing everything she could to protect her daughter. Um, and Charles was right there with her, helping her every step of the way.
0: Right. And I think, and I, I I believe it was you that mentioned that Charles spent millions of dollars to, according
3: to Lori, he spent over a
0: million dollars. Wow. Yikes. Well, we'll get back to that in just a moment. Now I, the quote, that we heard. I was going to murder him. I was going to kill him. After you first heard that, what were your feelings?
3: I had heard her tell that story so many times that, you know, unfortunately, it's almost you almost become numb to it because she had said it so often. I, you know, had even heard Alex tell the story. They <sighs> they had, you know, this venom for Joe Ryan and it was all on the premise that this is a pedophile, he hurt these children, the courts won't do anything, and so we've got to take it upon ourselves to to do what needs to be done. And um, you know, it 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 was shocking, but because you heard it so often, you kind of became desensitized to it. Unfortunately.
0: Wow, that is wild. But then she continues on (laughs) and she says something to the effect of, or confiding in the scriptures to refrain from killing. And she says, quote, I would go through the scriptures and find all the things. If he comes against you once, if he comes against you twice, if he comes against you three times, then you can kill him. It says it in the scriptures. I know when I first heard that I had chills from head to toe that that this is a justification or again returning to the to the book of mormon saying oh (laughs) i can do it what's
3: interesting is you know i i taught seminary for a couple of years and i i don't feel like i'm like a master scriptorian but but i feel like i'm pretty well read and um i don't know what she's referencing i don't know where she pulled these verses from that made her feel justified or or Gave her the okay. It's delusional. I I don't know where she got this from. Right. It's not something that's practiced, taught, believed. It's it's her own interpretation of something that to justify
0: her own feelings. Right. And we know this is from October twenty eighteen. So Joseph has already been deceased for, I believe, six months at that point. So it's, again, very eerie that she's referencing this, but we what we now know today, and knowing that she was the first person that they, you know, they called. Um, and I don't know, it, it just, again, I am so glad this was passed along <laughs> to the police department, because now I feel like that is even more secure evidence they could potentially charge her. With his murder So when she
3: came to see me in uh, July of 2018 and mm-hmm. she told me about Joe dying, everything that she talked about was very odd. It was very odd to me that she was the person that was listed as his next of-kin, right. that she was the person that the landlord notified. Uh, she even did a, a memorial service for Joe at her home. No and she did. <gasps> And she said that the reason she did it was for Tylee so that Tylee could have closure. But it was so shocking to me because our entire friendship, I had heard that opening line over and over and over again. And so it was very strange to me that someone that had this extreme hatred and wanted this person, you know, murdered would then have a memorial service for them it just it seemed really um inconsistent and and she just chalked it up to you know another pat on the back of of how how you know she was able to forgive him and um put her feelings aside for for Tylee mm-hmm. and then when I look back now after everything that's happened. It almost seems like maybe there was another motive for that memorial service, that maybe there was another motive for making it look like everything was um, different than it
0: really was. Right. That's a good thought, actually. Now, did Tylee ever talk about Joseph to you or his passing?
3: When Tylee came to visit, um, the first thing that she said was, my dad died and I'm rich. All she talked about was the monetary benefits of her dad dying. That's it. In fact, I had friends that were visiting and they had met Tylee and Lori for the first time. And they uh, made a comment after after Lori and Tylee had gone back to their hotel that how strange it was for a little girl to talk about her dad dying and money. Right. And how it just was a very, they'd never heard. A, a young girl talk like that about you know her own parent
0: passing wow that is I mean did it at any point seem like she was grieving for him or anything like that not at all wow
3: Ugh, but really again hard. I I wonder if she didn't feel like she could grieve in front of her mother because yeah.
4: she's
3: known her whole life how much her mother hates him how much her mother's family hates him um I would imagine that Tylee picked up pretty quickly that she probably couldn't express any mm-hmm. love for her father
0: in her mo- mother's presence. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. Goodness. Um, so with that, I mean, it appears Lori has this strong love and protection over her children in this audio, especially Tylee. Um, Do you think this testimony was part of an act like in that regard or do you genuinely believe she cared about Tylee, even though we know what we know today?
3: No, that's a hard question for me to answer, you know, over the course of our friendship, I thought she really did care about really did care for Tylee and really did do everything to try to protect her daughter. Um, Looking back, I I can't make sense of any of it, to be
0: honest. Right. No, I don't blame you. And I know we keep referencing bearing a testimony. And um, I've even experienced this going to the LDS church. And I've watched different people bear their testimonies. But I think for our listeners, some of them might not know what that means. Can you quickly explain what that is? Sure. So bearing your testimony is
3: just kind of expressing um, your personal witness affirming some kind of spiritual experience or some kind of spiritual tenet um, that you feel comfortable sharing with everyone in hopes of increasing their faith or affirming their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty common in the LDS church in all different capacities. You could have a testimony from the principle of tithing to, you know, Lori claiming that she's had this second comforter experience in seeing Christ face-to-face. She's the only person I've ever known that's claimed to have that experience. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. if that, that is very unique. Yeah. Or
0: that's, that's not the norm at all. Sure. So <laughs> when she would bear her testimony in your ward, did she talk about similar things at all?
3: She would talk about that experience. She wouldn't use the terms rape or murder. She would kind of um, soften those a little bit. But the the overall message was pretty much the same, that she had this extreme uh, hatred for this individual that had had hurt her children hmm. and how she was able to work through it through, you know, the power of, you know, the spirit to to forgive this person and to right. see them as a child of God. Again, it was always told in a way where she would come out on top, where she was um, the victim, but she was also the hero at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. She also references that. Well, she talks about her move to Kauai and she sounds elated because she says God told her to move there. She tells the story about how she met a woman and she was doing something about names. I have no idea what that was in reference to, but she pulled out a piece of paper and it said, Hawaii, Hawaii, Hawaii. Um, Now she's saying that's why they moved but it's also been heavily speculated that they moved during this custody battle with joseph so when you met her did she reference the god reason or because of Tylee? she told me that god told her she needed to be on Kauai. Hmm. i had a feeling that was probably it <laughs> She then talks about how she was the president of primary at the ward. Was that correct? Yep, that's okay. correct. And did you do temple work together or anything like that? We did. So she was the, well, she was the president of the primary, which
3: was the children's program. Okay. Um, so she would organize activities during the week. We'd have mm-hmm. like a weekly activity. And then she would be responsible for music and like Sunday school lessons on Sunday. And so um, she was the president and then another girlfriend and I were her counselors. So we kind of all worked together. So we, we worked together in that capacity. And then she and I would also go to the temple mm-hmm. on uh, Oahu in Laie. And we would do temple work that was just kind of separate from, it wasn't an official church calling. It's just something that ah. members do on
0: their own. Right. How did she interact with other children? It was amazing with kids. I mean, mm. my kids loved her. Everybody's kids loved
3: Lori. And it appeared that Lori loved everybody's kids. Like she had a way of making everyone's child feel really special mm. and just kind of going over the top making a really big deal about everything. She was honestly, I've been a member of the LDS church my entire life. I've never seen a better primary president that was more engaged, that had wow. planned better activities, outings. I mean, she would have these elaborate parties and she would absorb all of the expense. It, it, was, it was pretty phenomenal to watch. Wow. Um, but again, it's so inconsistent with where we're at now that just, you just have more questions than anything else.
0: Right. Wow. She goes and makes a claim that the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the gateway to the temple. So as far as I know, you know, the temple is a part of the faith and the church. So I don't know if she's being literal in that sense or is she now talking about the fringe group that she's a part of?
3: That I don't know because it, it, it's almost
0: I don't know. Yeah.
3: You can't be you can't go to the temp, an LDS temple without right. being a member of the LDS church. Exactly. So I'm not sure what what she's talking about. Maybe it's like code for something else that right. within their group, but but if it is, I'm not aware.
0: Exactly. And that's what I keep thinking because we know that she did a DIY ceiling with her in Chad. I believe in the I can't remember if, if it was the Manti temple. Um, but yeah, I I was very confused by that because I kept thinking, like, well, you get a temple recommend. And that is a part of your journey if you get one. And so yeah, so that's why I'm trying to decipher what is. She really talked because she talks about President Nelson too, and and they have this conversation uh, about him, and they loved what he said. I don't know if they're talking about General Conference or what, but again, it's so confusing to me. Just as I sat through the Julie Rowe thing, where I'm like, okay, I can tell what is her bonkers beliefs, and then I can tell where she's kind of referencing the church, but with Lori, it just seems all ingrained into one concept i i, I don't I thought know it all jumbled together and
3: and she's trying to pass it off like it's normal yeah but it's it's not it's not it's completely divergent from mainstream beliefs but it's almost like she's trying to make it mainstream but yeah. but it's not it's the opposite Right, it's their own version of things, and I don't know where that came from or where that started, mm-hmm. um, but it's definitely not
0: mainstream. Right. So she references that ceiling room, and but I guess first, let's what is a ceiling room? <laughs> let's start there. So basically, it's, a
3: ceiling room. Is um, it's very much like like an altar where people would get married. Uh, and so because Mormons believe that, that we exist beyond this life, Mm -hmm. um, we perform ordinances proxy for people that have passed on, um, kind of to honor them or give them the opportunity to, to still be a part and and keep families connected. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's really all it is. It's just a room where those ordinances are performed in. Got it.
0: So when she's talking about the ceiling room, she says she's performing one. I, it sounds like her and Charles are doing this um, and they're sealing these daughters. But she starts hearing voices and starts hearing voices of, she says, of sisters and brothers. And uh, she couldn't ignore it. And she kept um looking around to see if anybody else could hear these voices or if it was just her in your honest opinion do you think this could be a sign of mental illness i really do yeah I'll be
3: totally honest because it's like another excerpt from the this testimony she talks about like angels typing their names on her computer she talks about an angel walking through the wall and kissing her on the cheek um when she tells these stories uh, in in my opinion I feel like she really believes what she's saying like I feel like she really thinks these things happened. um and we of course know they didn't (laughs) but to her they really did and what's kind of promoting or or like like cementing her belief in this is the absence of anyone's reaction to it not being true. Mm -hmm. Everyone's just kind of accepting it and not saying anything. And that's reinforcing her delusional belief in my opinion. Yeah. Right. So she's just, and you'll hear it after she tells her story, there's people in the group that are almost like come up with their own stories. Like they're almost trying to one up her her angel story like it's Mm -hmm. it's interesting to observe especially as a member because you can see how easily when people are in group settings there's like this suspension of disbelief Mm -hmm. and this lack of critical thinking um
2: yeah
3: but yeah I do
0: think there's there's an element of mental illness present And I hate to bring her up, but it's – this whole thing was Julie Rowe all over again. And that's – and again, and that's what I just keep going back to. Like, the things that Lori is saying in this were the exact things I heard for seven hours. Hearing voices, talking to, you know, angels, and, you know, it's just – and, and as julie said she was off her two medications she right. didn't say what she's diagnosed with um but again but but it's just bizarre to me because it's like do you all suffer from some type of mental illness or just as you said like is this an egging on situation and like a collective delusion
3: yeah and like it, the- everyone's buying into this collective delusion and right. reinforcing each other's collective delusion it almost reminds me of like the Salem witch trials or something Right. like when yeah. people would have these experiences and then once someone told their story then all these stories started surfacing but none of them were true but right. the people sharing them really believed that they were because they're <laughs> caught up in this collective delusion
0: exactly and I mean and now that I'm really diving into cults and like trying to understand these things, like it is a common thread. Literally before our interview, I started the, a, a new documentary, Heaven's Gate, which was that cult that all committed suicide in in the late nineties, but even they're interviewing prior um, you know, members. And, and it's just interesting to me because I'm, I'm comparing them now to these followers of Chad. And, uh, but with this particular group, with the lorries and the Chad's and the Julie's, like this constant referencing of being a prophet and now the 144,000. So after I went to Julie's event, we had a conversation not on record. And I was very concerned about something that hit me in the middle of the night and, genuinely freaked me out <laughs> um, because I was made aware that you are in a bloodline that is very prominent in the LDS religion, I believe, like a strong like pioneer lineage, if, if I'm correct. Um, and again, just going through all my notes, but also everything I'm learning about cults and their interest in converting people to this 144,000 I came to you and I said I have this yucky feeling that Lori purposefully sought you out when she found out who you were because you made mention that she was helping you with your ancestry and she was very much involved in that and and I just felt this pit of like oh my gosh she genuinely was seeking April out so what are your thoughts on that I think it's
3: definitely, definitely possible, because she was very interested in that, that aspect. Um, And she wanted to know, um, because my ancestor, his name is Francis Armstrong, and he actually was friends with one of the three witnesses of the Book of Mormon and actually traveled yeah. to Salt Lake with that, with them, with their family. Right. And he eventually became the third mayor of Salt Lake city. So he right. he was a very significant person. Um, she would ask me often if I had any journals or knew of any experiences where Francis had seen Moroni or, right. um, interacted with Moroni and, I of course didn't, but she, that was something she was really interested in in knowing how or if he had ever had any documented experiences with the Angel Morone. Um, um and it just it wasn't even something I'm interested in in <laughs> discovering, you know. So it, it it was just curious to me that
0: she was so interested in that. Right. Um and I, I to this day don't really know why. Right. And I put the two and two together because, again, going back to Julie's horrific class, which, by the way, it seems like I was outed to her because she made a little YouTube video. Uh, <laughs> but that's fine; that's another conversation. Um, but she kept referring to ancestry, and uh, and then it, and then I thought about it, and I again I kind of thought, well, I wonder if. Lori ever talked about Julie because Julie only likes to talk about Chad. So did Lori ever talk about Julie? Yes. Yeah, so
3: I knew that Lori was a fan of Julie's before I ever knew she was a fan of Chad's. So, so Julie had done, I think she had done probably something similar to what you went to. I believe she did it in Hawaii right. and Lori had gone to it and was just all razzed about it and super <laughs> excited and had all the books. And another girlfriend was over and she's, and she's very like pragmatic, uh, even more so than I am. And she was like, you know, she's an excommunicated, right? You know that she's, you know, X, Y, Z. Right. These beliefs are kind of fringe, you know, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. Um, and it, it would not dissuade her. So I don't know if she got kind of inspired by Julie and thought, I want to be like her. Maybe mm-hmm. she's gradually is like very powerful, has this following, and wanted to be like her. And then maybe that, in my opinion, I'm thinking maybe that started the chain of events that led to her seeking out Chad, yeah. um, because he was her publisher. And then, you know, suddenly Lori's writing going to be writing this book. You know, she's mm-hmm. talking about writing a book. I felt like Lori had become kind of Chad's protege and was yeah. going to be the next Julie um and so there was a little drama about that um but it did start I heard about Julie from Lori way before I heard about Chad from Lori
0: just saying no (laughs) I'm just saying too like I know some people are trying to argue with me like no Julie plays no part in this and I just keep going back to no Julie is a big part of this and and again and that just freaks me out because I just yeah and even since our last episode together I'm now being contacted regularly by other people who know of others following Julie and they have a lot of legitimate concerns so that's why I'm asking this question about Lori, because again, we don't know the outreach or who they connected with, because even in this audio, as you'll hear, there's other voices in this room. Like I said, I mean, it sounds like a fairly decent size. Um, and then I just listened to it before we jumped on and I actually can hear a small child in the background, which... <sighs> Again, just gives me chills and makes me so nervous. And, and then there's also weird music in the background, <laughs> which again, seems like the formula. So yeah, it's very interesting. Now, you mentioned that you first heard this audio back last year in 2019. Obviously at that time, there was no real concern or you know anything that would have alerted you but going back and listening to it today, did anything aside from the obvious stick out to you this time around? Um, I think the first
3: when it was originally sent to me, Melanie had Melanie had come to visit with Lori in March of twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. and Melanie had sent it to me, uh, emailed it to me along with her own testimony and uh, like some some excerpts from her book, feel the fire. And honestly, I don't think I listened to all of Lori's testimony because I think I hit play and it was everything I'd already heard before. Yeah. Um, But then later when I realized what it was and when I heard it again in its entirety and really listening um, to everything, I was kind of in, in shock by how many red flags um, we all missed. Yeah, Um, that were that were obviously there. Um, And again, a lot of of things that she says make me feel like there there was a mental illness component Mm -hmm. to 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 her. um, And that was also missed. Mm. Um, I see it in a completely different light than I did the first time I heard it. Sure. And I hope a, you know, a more no, no, no. sobering
0: light, a much more sobering light. Yeah. And I hope you know none of that, you know, should fall on you in any way, shape, or form. Because I mean, as far as you knew, I'm sure they passed that audio to you being like, see, this is amazing. <laughs> like she's doing right. such a good thing. Why aren't you jumping on? <laughs> you know, right. but but I think it's just as you said, it's probably very sobering to be where we're at today versus last year. So To wrap up this little interview, um, I want to get your final thoughts or feelings on this quote that Lori said. She goes on to say, I did not have a murderous heart. How do you take that? How
3: I take it today, it's almost like You know, if 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 she did have something to do with Joe, Joe's death, um, this would have been recorded after that t- happened. Right. Um, it almost reminds me of like the telltale heart where it's it's almost like the death protests too strongly. Yeah. Um, it's really creepy. Yeah, to hear. it's yeah. it's 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 uncomfortable. Right. Um, Almost like she's trying to make us believe that she doesn't have any
0: involvement. Right. And I wonder if that will be used in her defense, you know, when they play this audio, because I can only imagine that's going to go into maybe not this first trial, but, you know, putting that blame either on Chad or on Alex, but it just yeah it's very telling but april thank you (laughs) again like i knew we had to connect over this and it's just it's very disheartening and you know again my thoughts are with you throughout this whole process i mean this is still all very raw and um and just as you said you know there were things that were happening. But again, you had no indication of looking at your friend at the time of anything less than just her really being into her faith. And and there's nothing wrong with that. But I
3: think the reason why is she she appeared so capable in every other aspect of her life. I mean, always had a clean house. She, you know, made dinner every night. She was always taking care of kids or other people's kids you know she was always doing things and just appeared to have the world you know have it all um and so it's I think that's why we miss so much is because she just appeared so capable and was such an overachiever in every aspect of her life that if she said something kooky every now and again you just kind of dismissed it as
0: Right,
3: not really being something to pay attention to. Right now, hindsight twenty twenty, there were a lot of things that um, that we missed, and it's kind of a reminder that um, no matter how capable somebody appears to be, there's still could be something very wrong.
0: Right, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. <laughs> I mean that's the only thing that keeps replaying in my head when I hear this stuff about Lori and, uh, my, yeah, like I said, my thoughts are just with you during this. And I know our listeners appreciate you and as I do, and thank you so much for talking with me again tonight. Of course. Thanks April. You too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Introduce yourself. <laughs>
1: I feel like I love Melanie, I just love her, when I saw her that we were sisters eternally, and I was sent to her, I prayed for her, and who the Father wanted me to go to, to elevate. Um, I just, you're all so beautiful. <laughs> good, good crowd. Yeah, good, good crowd. That's yeah, just a good energy, and I, I appreciate that. but. Um, I'll just start by saying that I am a personal witness of the resurrected Jesus Christ. I am his advocate and I am his friend and he is with me. Um, I know him and it was a hard road to get to know him. It's not an easy road but it's everything that I chose in the pre-mortal life that I sat down with him and we discussed what I would have to do to to, to get to this point. I knew everything I was gonna do and Everybody agreed and I made covenants with all of these people that they would be play these parts in my life so that I could be here at this time. And it's a very important mission. It's something that I signed up for, so I, have, I blame no one but myself for what has happened in my life. Um, when people hear my story, they're like, can't believe that you did that. Can't believe you lived through that. Can't believe that you're still here. But... Um, I, too, like Melanie, have had the love of Jesus Christ washed over me. Um, there is nothing like that on this earth. It is life-changing and eternity-altering. Um, I love my Savior with my whole heart. Um, I have had some wonderful experiences. I have been ministered to by the angel Moroni. I have seen him. I have had lots of angelic ministry with people who wake me up 4 o'clock in the morning and tell me things to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I no longer need to sleep very much because I'm woken up constantly by angels and giving me instructions on things that I can, I can do to help further the Father's work. Um, I don't know if you want me to tell the story or you don't want me to tell the story, but I feel like... Um, you do want to... Yeah. <laughs> your no story, to your story's pretty yeah. meaty.
5: Yeah.
4: <laughs> Are you
1: awake now? Um, I, it's been a long journey. I had a. There was a point in my life, there's a changing point in your life, right? You're a member of the church your whole life. I always loved the Lord. There's a turning point in my life that turned me to the temple. And this is what I teach everybody. And my change of heart was to the temple. So I had... <laughs> I had um, been married to someone who was very awful who raped my children and um, I had divorced him and gotten away from him and he had joined the church he spoke spoken state conference everyone thought he was wonderful he was very good showman of all those things and after we were divorced um, He told everybody that I was this lying, crazy Mormon, and got up in court and said all these horrible things about me, and turned it around to where the judges believed him instead of me, and he was constantly trying to get custody of my three-year-old daughter, and just to rub it in my face, and um, I went through a lot of years of, of this kind of hard stuff, and I was going to murder him. I was going to kill him, like the scriptures say, like Nephi killed him, just to stop the pain, and to stop him coming after me, and to stop him coming after my children, and I was just, I just thought I couldn't take it anymore, and I would go through the scriptures and find all the things, like, if he comes against you once, if he comes against you twice, if he comes against you three times, then you can kill him. It says it in the scriptures. And more of it. I'm like, there it is. There's my answer. I don't want to do anything that's wrong. I did not have a murderous heart. I just wanted to stop the bleeding and stop the pain. And so someone wise was speaking to me and said, you need to go to the temple. So I went and met my bishop, and I was like, I'm either going to turn my life to the temple, or I'm going to commit murder. So do you want to give me a temple recommend? (laughs) (laughs) And I was perfectly honest, because at that point, I had nothing to lose. You get to the bottom rung, and I had nothing to lose, and he gave me my temple recommend. And I started going to the temple every week by myself, not with my current husband, just by myself to the temple, to the Mesa temple, which I love. we moved here from Texas to get away from my ex-husband that was doing all this, but he moved here like five miles away from us just to continue to torture me. That was his whole entire job. And Satan had been torturing me since I was a little kid, so I've had that my whole life. Um, I turned to the temple. I started going every single week. And, when the te- and you know, I had little kids, and we were in therapy all the time, and the kids were in therapy and doing all this. stuff. So I had five five kids that I was dealing with, and um, the Lord just taught me. He just taught me week by week. He was just teaching me, and he was just so patient and so kind and I would just be in there just sobbing. I would just be in there in the celestial room sobbing, and people would come up to me all the time and be like, sister, are you okay? And I'd be like, no, I'm not okay. And I'd just keep crying because I didn't want to tell anybody what was going on. I was just having my own pain, and I felt like... So the court told me that if I didn't take my daughter to him and drop her off with him as a five-year-old every weekend or every other weekend or whatever the schedule was, that they would put me in jail. So I had to go take her to this monster, my little sweet little baby girl, and drop her off. And then I would go to the temple and I would cry and I felt like someone was just stabbing me in the stomach with a knife all the time. I felt physical pain. I felt so much physical pain and emotional pain and mental pain. And in the meantime, I was dealing with a husband and two stepkids and my two kids. And then waking up screaming in the middle of the night. And night sweats and terrors and all the things that go along with everything that happens with that. And So I just turned it all over to the Lord. I'm like, I can't do it. You have to do everything for me. I can't do it. And he did. He does it all. So for years and years, I went to the temple every week. If the temple going to be closed for two weeks for cleaning, I'd go twice the week before and twice the week after. Those were the baby steps that he was leading me to. Once a week at the temple wasn't enough. It wasn't enough at all. And then I started going to the temple every day. Every single day. I started doing my current husband's family's work because he's a convert to the church and started having miraculous experiences with his relatives miraculous experience once I do it and I I bear this testimony in sacrament all the time I'm like I I hate computers I'm just of the generation I'm 45 I do not like computers they're not my friend I have teenagers and 20 year olds and they do it and I sat down one day and told the Lord I'm going to do family history and I don't know how to do it so I need angels to come and type in this stuff for me because I don't know how to do it and I don't like the computers. And I went up, I turned it on, I was super frustrated, I couldn't even log in, I was having all kinds of problems. I went upstairs to take a bath, I came back down, nine names were in my inbox, ready to print, ready to take to the temple. Took them to the temple, did that work. All those people came and visited me at the temple. I felt every one of their spirits. Nine people with the last name White. They were my husband's family from Louisiana. They typed their names in. It was a miracle. They did their own work, and now every day, every day I say, I'm signed in, signed in for two weeks, come do the work, because I still can't figure it out. I've done about a 1,000 names. (laughs) I, I still can't figure it out. They still type their names in all the time. Like, you want your work done, and you know I'm going to the temple tomorrow? Come do it. And then I'll, be, I'll have a huge stack in my purse, and I'll be walking down the hallway and saying, who wants to go today? And a name will come to me, Nancy Bowers. And I look, at, do I have a Nancy Bowers? Ooh, there you go. Wow. Nancy Bowers is ready to get her work done today. And so through those blessings, through that treachery of going to the temple, and then, and then, after I've had this washing over of the Lord, who gave me all of his complete love, all of his peace, which is not of this world. I've spent so much time in dark courtrooms where the evil powers overpower those rooms. And I spent so much time in there that he washed all of that away from me. And then he sent me on a mission. So he told my husband and I to move to Kauai. So we are like, really want us to move to Hawaii like I'm gonna need a confirmation of this on my father like you're gonna have to tell me this again so I had six confirmations in the temple that we should move to Kauai and the very last one was a lady who I went in it was before I started doing my own names and I went into the dressing room and she said oh would you do a name for me and I said oh sure I love to do names you know I did I grabbed her name looked at the name put it in my pocket and I told tell my father I was like I know you've given me like five confirmations but i really need to know this is a big deal i have to leave my baby and her baby's like i'll go do whatever you want me to do but i i really need to know this is what you want us to do and so i'm in the mesa temple and as soon as i'm going through the veil look at this card i open it up look at her name and it's stamped hawaii 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 and it was the date was the day before And I know this lady, because I know Hawaii. I lived there for three years. So you'd have the overnight flight. So she was yesterday in the Laie Temple. And then she's flown overnight. And now she's in the Mesa Temple handing me this card. Would you do a name for me? Hawaii, Hawaii, Hawaii. The Lord is in all the details of our lives. And so I go into the dressing room. And I'm in the dressing room just getting dressed, because I've got to go pick up kids. And he shows me my whole life is full circle to come to the point. I had to marry this husband to adopt this child, to get to this point, to be in Kauai at this time, because these people, they needed me. So we were in Kauai for three years. I thought we were going there forever. I loved it there. We were in this tiny little branch. I served as a primary president. I loved those children. We had so much fun doing that. And then I was at the La'i'i Table, which I would take people, Reconvert them. They're like, you're the primary president, but we don't have anybody for you for counselors. So you have to either reactivate people or baptize people. So I reactivated two sisters, went with them to the Ye Temple, flew them over to, because you have to fly from Kauai to Oahu to go to the temple, got them their endowments, helped them through the whole temple process because that is where the Lord is. For he walks those very halls. He is there. And I said, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the gateway to get you to the temple so that the Lord can teach you himself. He doesn't need anybody else to teach you. He teaches you. As you take out your time, which is the very first thing you consecrate when you raise your hand, you consecrate your time on this earth to go do that work. When you take out your time, and I'm telling you, all those people on the other side that have already lived on this earth, they know how busy we are. They know what it's like to be in mortality. And for whatever reason, they didn't take the time or they didn't have the ability to do that work for them. They are eternally grateful. I was in the ceiling room one time, and I saw a sister, a spirit sister. It was one of my husband's aunts come over and she kissed me on the cheek before she disappeared through the wall and I'll tell you I've had people talk to me I was in the ceiling room with my husband and they were going through names and we were sealing these daughters and all of a sudden I hear this voice super loud really loud don't forget about me don't forget about me twice and I look around I looked at the sealer I looked at my husband I'm like anybody hear that Okay, And so I remembered the name that we were doing because we were doing like 10 daughters. I remembered the name. I went home. I looked it up on my family search. Sure enough, two daughters and a son that were on there that I had missed because I don't even search it. I just let the angels do it. And I printed out their names. And I took them to the temple. And my teenage daughter did the baptisms. And I'm going in to do their initiatories. And they're both standing in the room with me the first room first booth before you go in and they said they said to me we're bringing our brother like you're bringing your brother and I thought how do they know that my excommunicated brother who I love who is now awake and knows everything I know how do they know that because they know everything that is going on in our lives they know everything they're very involved in our lives they're very interested in what we're doing right now because this time the time is now the Lord is gathering his people he is calling people to the 144,000 they're already being called they're already being sent on their missions. they're already going full circle the time is now he is coming he is preparing us and we promised we would do it. So I was standing there in this moment by myself one time in that first booth going through doing initiatories. I told the Lord, why would you do this to me? Why? You made me this super sweet person. I'm so sensitive. My whole life, everything hurt my feelings. I was totally sweet and innocent. And I was like, why would you ask me to fight this life and be this warrior? Why did you send me here? You know my personality. You know I hate to fight. I will avoid a fight at all costs. And he gave me a pre-mortal memory of me. And I got to see myself as a warrior fighting for the Savior in the pre-mortal world and I went to other worlds and I fought and I was one of his strongest <laughs> warriors and I saw it and he showed me so that I could never deny it again I was not sweet and I was not innocent I am old I have fought I have fought in many I fought in this war for a millennia and that's who I am and I came down here to be a warrior and fight. And I only thought that I was sweet and innocent. I am sweet. I am a sweet person. <laughs> sweet. Don't ask
3: my husband, but I am.
1: <laughs> he says I'm only mean in the mornings. So. I never sleep. We have a six-year-old that has autism, and he never sleeps. He bounces on our head all night long. Says,
6: What's up, Mommy? Please wake up. Please wake up.
1: But... I will just testify to you. I don't want to go into any more detail, but I will testify to you that the Savior is real. He loves each of you. Like Melanie said, if you're here and this is resonating to you, it's because you are a warrior. You were a warrior before this. You would not be here in this room. You would not be awake if you were not a warrior in the life before this. And you have a work to do, and it's a mighty work. And what I teach the women, I am an advocate for the women. I have had an experience with my heavenly mother. She was a warrior, and we are her line. And her priesthood power is here. And it is going to be back on the earth in fullness. In fullness, the priesthood power, the women and the men together, they are side by side. They are equal in power and glory. Equal. And they're going to come together. Jesus is going to come with his eternal companion and reign. And they are equal together. There's not one more powerful than the other. And women have been protected. The first coming, the first time Jesus came, he restored the priesthood to the men. And when he comes again, it's restored to the women. For his second coming. And we are equal in power in priesthoods. But we have different roles. We have different things that we do. For we, the women, we do not come here to become like father. Like you, like Thor. We're here to be like mother. We have her attributes. We have her wisdom and knowledge and understanding. That's why we're good partners for our husbands. Because we are like unto our mother. Who is all powerful so I will just tell you that I what I try to teach women and people I've worried my whole life about my kids my husband, my things that are going on I'm at perfect peace with where everybody is everybody's here doing their mission the Lord is in charge of each person as I prayed for my son who is married now and his wife isn't a member of the church and they don't go to church anymore, they go to her church, and that's fine. He loves the Lord, and I know his heart. And I'm in the temple praying for him. Please tell me, Father, What? how do I let that go? He says, you love him. Let me lead him. I got this. I know him. I know him like I know you. And do you know that I know you? Yes, he knows me. He knows every." about me, and he knows everything about you. And everyone's in charge of their own thing. So what I preach to people, what I feel like my mission is, is you find out the warrior in you. You find out what you came here to this earth to do. You find out what you promised you would do. Because I know we promised that we would meet each other. I know that we promised that we'd be in this circle. We'd help elevate this vibration we're in a celestial vibration but we need to bring it up it needs to be a terrestrial vibration the savior cannot come to the unsanctified he's going to come dwell with the sanctified and that needs to be us and if you have that desire if you feel that burning inside you that burning can become a fire on the outside of you and when you walk down the road the dark ones in the other realm are scared of you because you are great and terrible because you are encased in heavenly fire and the lord is encased in heavenly fire and you can be encased in heavenly fire too i make this suggestion go to the temple every day until you're encased in heavenly fire and i know it's hard because i have five kids and a crazy schedule but i'm telling you my testimony is you take out your time the Lord, all-knowing and omnipotent, will stretch time for you because time is irrelevant to him. So I was like, how am I going to do that? How am I going to get the laundry done and clean the house and get the kids to their things and do all these things if I go to the temple every day? Because I get caught up in the temple. I could stay in that celestial room my whole life. And one time I was in there all week long for, like, several hours, and he's like, "Um, I need you to just go do some work. Like, you can't just dwell in here all day feeling happy if I have work for you to do so he's kind of kicked me out of this Lester room one time because <laughs> I just would could just bask in there all day because I feel so happy in there and so heavenly like that's where I belong but <laughs> he he stretches time for you you will be amazed you will feel more organized you will feel like time doesn't really apply to you The day I get everything done in the day, and then I'm like, is it still not bedtime? Can we not go to sleep? (laughs) He will stretch time for you. Because this is his work, and the more we do it, the more we know him. The more you sacrifice your time, which is the only thing you can give him on this earth, what else can you give to the Lord? What can you give him? Willing. You could give him your will. I love that. And you'd have to. But you can give him your time. And your love. And your love. All your love. Because when he fills you with his love, and you can exude his love, I always told him, I was like, I just want to walk down the road and have your love just exude off of me. And I want the dark and terrible ones to just depart. At the thought of me coming down the road because they're so scary. It's so scary to them. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: That's what I wanted. And that's what he gave me. And he'll give it to anybody who wants it, he'll give it to anybody who's willing to take the time. And that's my testimony that he lives, he's totally in charge of all of this. He has face-to-face meetings with President Nelson. President Nelson is his warrior who served many missions to get to this point and had to prove himself before this as a warrior to be his advocate at this time. They are having face-to-face meetings. He is getting his will put in to this gathering of everything that is going on. It is not coincidence he has that connection because he will soon be here on this earth before the second coming dwelling with us in Zion and we will see him. Yes. I'm sorry. No, 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 please.
2: I was fascinated last week. I read the article that um, president Nelson's wife, Wendy Mm -hmm. wrote in the LDS um, article where she said that, that the Lord visits with president Nelson many, many nights and She's been told to, like, leave the room a couple mm-hmm. of times during certain talks. But she said she will testify that the Lord speaks to, to him mm-hmm. with direct. So Can you true. imagine true. being true. the
1: mortal person and being like, what do yeah. you need me to do? And then he's like, oh, you need to do this, and you need to do this. And would yeah. there be enough time in the day to, right. like, you're in charge of these 16 million people and the profit to the whole entire world? Right. So I just know that from the spirit that that is true. Yeah. I know that he leads us, and if we listen to him, and the people that you're worried about, if your husband's not on board or your wife's not on board or whatever it is, they'll listen to the prophet. They'll do what the prophet says. So you you can take that to the bank. You can take to the bank that Heavenly Father is aware of every single person on this earth, that the Savior knows every single person inside the church, outside the church, wherever they may be, and they're doing their missions, and so are we but I would just say I would just suggest what can you do with your time that can bring you closer to Jesus Christ because that's the only thing that he'll do of what this world does to you and I say that in the name of Jesus Christ my Savior you. amen what
2: is this place
1: <laughs> you know because I didn't know, you didn't know
2: what that was and um yeah so that's what, what brought me to the church and stuff so when we talked about I really look forward to hearing you know, more of your stories and, Yes,
7: I wanted her to be like yes. a like a you know, like a feature speaker, but anyway, you know, to share well, whatever she wants to do, she works for the Lord. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just know the crowd. I, I can find the people yeah. and my goal is that we share and, and you know, and yes. wants to know more it's to bring your friends, you know. I'm trying to get as many people in this house as I can, that's my biggest challenge.
2: Yeah.
7: Yes, Sublima. Yeah,
4: before I thought before Thor leaves, I want to ask something. Oh. I've just been, I I, I got this, this prompting and so I, I'm just going to go for it oh, with sorry. it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I know the Melanie you knows her mission. Um, Lori, obviously, you shared your mission. And Thor, I've heard your mission and this beautiful sister here now has um, shared her mission. So... I'm just wondering how many of you guys already know what your mission is for the second coming. You guys raise your hand I high. Raise your hand I <laughs> think you need
6: to prepare people and that's we. That's we are. We are prepared people. He can only come when he comes to prepare people.
7: We are working yes. on that. Yes, preparing the people. That's what we're trying to do with them. Right. What we're trying to do is we're trying to help people realize that things are really happening like they did a long time ago. In the old days, people had visions and dreams. This is not rocket new science. This is like old. Right. And old the school. Lord warns. The, the pattern is in the scriptures. He warns and prepares. And so we just have to... Um, be able to present in a way that people will want to believe but that's their choice but i I love the testimony of the temple and i think it gives me i mean i go every week but i'm going to be up in my temple attendance because i really want to get to another level that i can feel more inspiration more revelation because the the, they made it very clear in conference is that go stand in holy places and do not fear he's warning that if you're righteous you don't have any worries you Mm need Just be in that temple and be holy, stand in holy places, and wherever you walk, you
6: make it holy. I feel at
7: home in the temple. Yes. Me too. Yeah. I love it. Like, You're here forward. again
1: when you go in, and I'm like, it's my home. I feel more home at yeah. home here than I do at home. Yeah.
7: Like it's my home too.
2: I felt that during General Conference, when they said as of January 1st that we're going to be changing from three hours to two hours, I felt that it was like, prophesying to us to spend more time with our families before a lot of things happen.
6: uh, I
2: really felt that message that please take this hour to spend with your families and love them and teach them and do these things without literally saying that there's something Um, in the mix, on the horizon.
7: All his warriors are showing up. Yes, they are. And I am connected to a lot of them. And yeah. as you come making, to the conferences, you will connect to what their missions are, on. because yeah. there's people part of that 144,000 yes. yes. that know what's yeah. coming. And they've been shown it. They've shown their mission, how they're going to rescue and save people. And if, if anybody doesn't listen to Giliotti from you know Isaiahexplained.com, he will explain to you that the the Northern Assyrian, you know idea that they have in the book of Isaiah is the same northern body that will come here and take over our land. And that's, we know it's going to be Russian China. But it's all through the
6: scriptures. There's no mysteries there. We didn't
7: have to go to the temple to even figure that one out. (laughs) We know it's coming. And I
6: also think our challenge, like me, I have inactive kids. What? We all do. one When you come <laughs> home <laughs> from the temple, <laughs> <you> <laughs> they feel it. <laughs> <She> they <laughs> feel <laughs> <She> they <laughs> know like you an bring an the person, person, and person, and a love, a special love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's yeah. all we yeah. can do. We She's on the stand for the Lord. And leave them to every Father. He will take care of Remember, yeah. when you are on the whale, the promises you get yeah. are so great. They are. Right? Yeah. So, the Heavenly Father would not lie on a place You do that. not
1: have any idea what is in store for right. you. That things are so magnificent oh, that you can't that. even imagine right. them right, right now. Right. right.
6: Oh, That's exactly. why you don't need
1: to worry. No. Yeah, you no. don't need to worry because it's no. going to be glorious. Right. And those who go right. to the other side, Wanted to go to the other side. It was their mission. They chose. Everybody chose. If there, if you have your whole, you're going to be the only one left of your whole family. That's okay. You're here to do that's your true. mission because yeah. your yeah. kids are adults in right? eternity. Yep. They're your friends. Yep. Your parents are your
4: friends. Yep. They're
1: not your kids. They're loaned to you for this short time. They're adults and they have their own missions and their own eternity to live. Yeah. And they're making their choices now. And who knows what they're doing. But there is... the Atonement is infinite and eternal. And we do not need to
3: worry about the souls
1: of men. We do not have to worry about our children.
7: We do that not you hope. have to You worry. should have incredible hope to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I have a daughter that...
8: And I was devastated when she went to prison my youngest of eight kids. And the Lord told me, she is in my hands. And that lifted me so much. And um, then I kind of, you know, over time, I started worrying about her again. And he told me again, Karen, quit worrying. She is in my hands she has turned to the Lord she had a horrible husband for one year, they got married he got her into so much bad stuff and he even choked her so bad that she quit breathing and then he got scared and brought her back to life if she hadn't have gone to prison she would have been dead and she tells me that she's mom. if I hadn't have gone there I would be dead and she said the thing that I want more than anything is to go to church with sit
1: in church
8: and hopefully
1: you know those things right like you think that would be a horrible thing you think that the things that we go through are horrible things but we sat down with the Savior we knew what it was going to take for us to turn to him apparently I needed a lot and so did she but that's what we covenanted to do those things because we knew what it was going to take we were old wise intelligences, we knew a lot of stuff. This is not our first rodeo. We've been doing stuff in eternity, in other places, to prove ourselves to come at this time. So we knew what it would take for us to turn to him fully, to be able to give it all to him. And our kids knew it too. Even if they're two years old at this time, they're here to do their own missions, and you shouldn't interfere with that. You could love them. You can teach him and let him take the rest. Laurie, I was wondering if you would expand
8: on that. You talked about, before, in your talking, you talked about being prepared. Eons, if you went to other worlds, and that kind of thing. So I was hoping that maybe you could expand on that a little bit more.
7: You can do it later, too, if you want. Yeah, and just maybe to the the extent
1: that I know that that is the truth for me and I don't know about other people, but I do know that in the pattern of the Lord, which he works in patterns, that that is a pattern, and that this is one of the darkest worlds, and you had to earn the right to come here. Because when you go to the lowest low, the darkest world, then you get to ascend to the highest part of the celestial kingdom. So if you did not want that, and you wanted to live in a nice terrestrial world where things were calmer, <laughs> then you did that.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: But if you're here, it shows me that you're awesome. You're awesome. That's right. Yeah. Because why? what were we doing for 2 billion years before this? Well, we weren't yeah. sitting around waiting for this 80 years. That's why Christ came here. That's right.
8: Yeah. Yeah. And That's it, right. I, I encourage any of you who haven't read this since 2000 when it came out, you probably have all read it.
4: But reading.
8: it The infinite atonement. Yeah. What is that? When Chad, it's When Chad layered. was here, I bought 11 of <laughs> his books and read them all in about three weeks. Went to the temple three, two or three times a, a week for two months mm-hmm. before it closed, because I refused to drive mm-hmm. clear to Phoenix. And I, I we,
1: we did know. yesterday. We drove we to Phoenix yesterday.
7: <laughs> <laughs> <We> <laughs> it's a we,
6: oh, we saw these ladies there. They were there.
7: We go to
8: Yeah. But that will reinforce in your mind Yeah how he is not only just the savior of our world, but the whole universe. Yeah. And it's the
6: of yeah. our world. Yes. My, my Pidolite Blessing also says you were very valid yes. on mm-hmm. the other side. Mm-hmm. And that's why I got particular Friend. assignments here. And of course, they lead to the church. They
4: lead
6: to, to how oh, so you do it yes. yes.
4: The Lord is telling me to ask him to remember more than anything else. It's not about us learning it's learning how to do it all over again. Yeah. We already know how to do it. We already yes. know what we've been taught. We were for eons of times, we were nurtured and taught what we were supposed to do here. So the only thing we have to do is to ask the Lord to help us remember. If we can just get our heads out of the way and go into our hearts, The Lord will show us exactly what it is that we're supposed to do. And it's miraculous. Like, what we we can do, we can do great things.
7: And I get the sense that we get downloads into stuff that just come to us. That's what it feels like to me. It's not like I can really remember it. So the downloads will help me recall it, and it will come. Yeah. Yeah, there's just like things the that I just found.
1: Yeah, I yeah. will. i so See you. I will. But it's you good know, good. I love that because I Bye. preach that all the time. So how many sorry. times in the scriptures does it do say, okay. <laughs> <game>? remember? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Good to see, you. Good see yeah. everyone. <laughs> see you. Thank <laughs>
6: you. Bye. Bye. And
1: Thor lives
7: there in Gilbert as well. Could you say
1: anything? Yeah. I was just saying how much I I testify of that all the time that we just have to remember because how many times in the scriptures does it say, remember,
6: remember?
1: We just have to remember and recall what our missions are. Ask the Lord, what is my mission? What did you send me here to do? Be specific.
6: Like, tell him. Be specific. I need to know.
1: I really want to know what it is that you want me
6: to do, and he'll show you. So my husband and I are going to serve the mission next year in the German temple. Uh, As soon as the temple is finished, we are waiting. It's under renovation, the Frankfurt temple. And uh, I have served two years in the temple already. <laughs> and of course, this is when also Christ appeared to me. Oh. Because it says in the Mesa Temple, when you walk
1: down the stairs, yeah. the pure and heart oh. shall, see,
6: shall see God.
7: And that was yeah. interesting. Yeah,
6: yeah. He he lets us know that this is his house and that he, is, he lets us know. And then, uh, of course, who is the? Hundreds and hundreds of times I have been in the temple, so I know everything what is said, mm-hmm. but I can sing in my heart, literally sing praises and thanks to Heavenly Father and to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We have eight, eight, 80 songs directed to Jesus Christ in our songbook, and I know many of them by heart. And just closing the eyes and seeing whatever comes in your mind. But they do. Because you get that and translation the time of it, is asking so 100, 100 questions over. and getting 100 answers. Because all it's all a time things, of placing, and, and, and the veil bursting. The veil well, is beginning rejoicing. to burst oh, yeah. in and
1: outside of the right. temple. So everyone is able to have these experiences, and the Lord made it that way right. so that people will awaken to what their missions are because He does need us to do our part. Yeah. And he will remind us. Yes. Of but of to have things. a heart
6: full of joy uh, and singing, expressing it. Yeah. Yeah. I can stand on the bus stop or wherever yeah. I, can. I do the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I just walk through the house boss. singing like this, all the yeah. way across the, drive it drives my kids nuts. nuts. Yeah.
7: Singing is that your love sound yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. I, I sing my prayers yeah. to them. I can make, make up songs now. Yeah. They're really cute. They're
2: getting better.
6: Mel, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. well, this is this is uh, fills our day in, in the Japanese joy. Right. Yes. yes. Okay.
5: Okay. I just want to share with them um, when I was about probably about maybe ten years old, between ten and twelve. Um, um, I, I was going to this Christian church with my grandparents, and one time we were on Asian either. I actually saw this vision. I, um, I saw, um, I saw like a palace, a castle, and I, saw, I saw God sitting in his throne in heaven, and I saw it was quite big, beautiful. Inside there was a throne and I saw him sitting in there. Everything was beautiful daylight, you know, the, 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 the how is it? The, the sun and the, I see the clouds and I saw the flowers and the hibiscus tree uh, on a fence, the whole edge of the So you can see everything But up on the back of the sky. I see the throne, I see. He's preparing them, he's getting ready. He can come see you at the temple.
1: Angel Moroni can come to see you at the temple. Resurrected, translated beings can come visit you at the temple. It's harder
6: for them to come to you at your house. Mm-hmm. It's not I, I listen much. every morning, 5 to 6, to BYU TV. The professors, it's, uh, it's, oh, this is wonderful. And they talked about Revelation Sunday. And, and Nobody understands Revelation as much as our church because it is the language we learn in the temple even. It's, it's, it's so familiar to us. And to the outside world, it's so very little understandable. You know, they just don't know what to do with the revelations. And yet, for us, it's it's daily language. It's the honey, it's the yeah. Right. So staff. you listen to them? <laughs> story? Oh, yeah. Karen. Do you, Karen. My yeah. you I yeah. I I the junior. someone's ordinance? I'll tell them. I'm like, okay, now go do me a favor. My
1: daughter's at school and she's having a bad day. My grandson is over there at ALA. Go protect him. Go do this. Go do that. And guess what they say? I'm on it. You did that for me?
4: I'll do anything you ask me to do.
1: I'll do anything you ask me to do because time, time doesn't mean anything to them. They don't have to watch time. They can help us, and they are helping us. And if you want a, your own little army to surround you so that Satan can't even enter into your field, do that work. They will surround you. They will be your little army. You know, I mine's big. I don't know how you guys are all even fitting in here. It's got a thousand people in here. It's they can move space, space all around. They're good with that. But I testify that they are involved in our lives. And they will help you and they'll help your children and they'll help your posterity and they'll help everybody for you. They are so eternally grateful, you know, for us doing that work. I just don't think we understand, you know, I go through and I'm at the temple all the time and I work in the temple on Thursdays and the Gilbert Temple and the records office, so you can come see me and say hi and laugh.
4: <laughs> but
1: the, I think people are like, oh, I hope that they accepted this ordinance. And I say, I promise you if their name is in this temple that they've accepted that ordinance. And they've been anxiously awaiting, and they had something to do with that ordinance being put into that temple.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't have to wonder if they are accepting of that. Everyone whose name is in there is accepting of that work, and they are grateful.
6: I yes, I
8: love your stories. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing ceilings,
1: and I was the daughter, and this lady that I didn't know was the temple to our temple. They're open and the Lord is inspiring all of his children, people that are inspired to do computers and all the things that are going on in the world today. These are inspirations from the Lord to get this work done. It is not a coincidence. He is and, and opening, opening up beach. the windows of heaven at this yes. time because he has to prepare us for
6: his coming. If if all temples are working, we have 200 temples now. That's right. 201.
1: 201. <laughs> announced. <laughs> Announced or completed. To me, it's just
7: really neat to hear so many testimonies, to hear a testimony of a witness. And then also my experiences are you don't always have to see things, but boy, he can change you and clean you and make you whole, and you don't have to see, you don't have to see things. That you know, doesn't even matter. What matters is what you feel inside and how doesn't it changes matter. you. It, doesn't, it doesn't, matter doesn't matter because
1: more <laughs> no. blessed are you who have not seen. No. Yeah. More.
6: I mean. It takes
7: a lot. I you feel like I go through. See. I often feel like I go through the life, and I was telling this to Thor today, I said, I feel like the Lord's put a blindfold on me, and I have to do it by my heart.
8: Because I can feel.
7: I can yeah. feel things very strongly.
8: And I used to say, yeah.
1: but then I was corrected in a book, I used to say, I feel them. I mean, I, don't,
5: I feel peace about yeah. how things come to me. Yeah. And I, I, guess, I guess it's just not my gift, but other people are saying, that's not true. You can have it. You can yeah. have all the gifts. I'm yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll take it.
6: Yeah. But it hasn't come to me. But uh, all all it's all good. All of your gifts it's at this time. Right. At this right. moment. It'll come when it comes. But today.
7: he still can change you, no matter what you see or don't see. And my heart he can change you. People say it's mm-hmm. like uh, uh, awesome. my heart has changed. It's beautiful. All right, Wait. May. We.